0: Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. All right, we're going to get started. If you guys want to come back, uh, if you want to come back, that might be the most passionate response to a question we've ever had. I was not prepared for that. I heard someone yell, not well, not yell. I heard someone say loudly before uh, at the beginning of that. Somebody said "shoots and ladders," right? Yeah, and then I heard <laughs> chuckles. Yeah, shoots <laughs> and ladders, right? So uh, one of the joys, uh, I, th- I think, you know, as my kids have gotten older, as was, we got into, as they got a little bit older, we I was able to start playing games with them board games. It's really fun. Some of you guys have been really generous. Uh, Judah giving us uh, some really fun games. Uh, others of you, it's kind of played together. As a family. It's been really fun sort of discovering some of these things with them. Uh, but it's also kind of fun, which, you know, uh, all sorts of um, streams of our life uh, have, have tapped into this. But this moment where I can sort of revisit things from my childhood uh, with my kids and kind of enjoy them again, right? Here's looking at you, Disney Plus, and all you other kind of streaming services that are trying to pull me into all the stuff you're creating, right, uh, that I think is for my children, but you're really doing it for me, right? Uh, but, but kind of playing games, it was a very cynical, I'm sorry. We are kind of playing games, uh, revisiting games we played as a kid, and one of those was shoots and Ladders, right? I remembered it. I don't, I don't know that it was a great memory, but I remembered shoots and Ladders from my childhood, and so was, uh, I think someone had gifted it to my kids. We sat down to play it, and, and I remember thinking, like, why was this game fun, right? <laughs> just, I, 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 I just... I did not enjoy sort of revisiting it all these years later. You know, you know the one, you kind of move across the board, it's random, you flip a, a little dial, I don't remember exactly how, and you kind of move these spaces, and if you land at the bottom of a ladder, what happens? You go up, but if you land at the top of a chute, you go down, and that's pretty much it. So we'd spend ages playing this game, and we'd get so close to the top, and then inevitably, you know, somebody would go all the way back down, and I'm like, it just was unending. And I, I just remember thinking, man, why did I like this particular game? Like, can't we play something else, you know? Uh, I realize this pain is personal. I'll stop and uh, step off my soapbox here. But I read a description of shoots and ladders uh, that I thought was worth sharing with you, this uh, morning then I, th- I hope will help us step into First Peter. And we're just going to make sort of, uh, there's a lot in the reading of Peter that we read this morning, a lot of detail, really rich, sort of uh, biblically, historically rich, uh, theologically rich, we, we won't sort of tease out all of those nuances. Instead, i 'm going to ask you to kind of take like a larger sort of view of, of what it was said in our passage this morning, and I think shoots and ladders will help us, but here was this description: uh, this particular writer uh, said that uh, Western civilization, our c- current cultural moment uh, we like ladders we like ladders we like the idea of upward mobility of continuing improvement of moral progress. We talk about career ladders and the ladder of success. This particular author kind of reflecting on this, this sort of pressure in life to always be climbing. It's a myth of personal power, a story told to individuals that that we can, we can now become whatever, whatever we want. And he describes this ladder that freedom and personal industry are, are kind of the twin rails that support the rungs of progress. You can just keep getting better? Uh, the author, you know, as a philosophy, this idea uh, and its associated kind of notions are the bedrock of free market capitalism, blah, 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 right? Kind of gets lost in sort of this larger question. I didn't mean to blah, 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 free market capitalism. I, was, I just was saying that's not where we're going to land this morning. But but the author said that as a theology, it's crept into our experience of the Christian faith. This kind of movement to sort of always be climbing that we can just get better and better be all that you can be and Jesus can help and and and, and I want to kind of sit with that feeling as we step into our reading from first Peter this morning because I think the the that pull in us to sort of climb the ladders the sort of status markers of our our life and they might be different for each of us a lot of them are probably the same in this room the sort of status ladders that communicate man we're we're progressing. We're improving. Uh, we, we have made it. We have sort of reached these sort of identifiers, these markers of success. Again, there will be some nuance, but generally speaking, we, we probably share a lot of those things in common. And I think Peter says something to that. Interestingly, in our reading this morning, Uh, Again, Peter writing to a group of Christians who had been displaced, many of them geographically, but certainly culturally because of the confession they'd made in Jesus, they're now kind of adrift. They don't know where they fit into civic life. They don't know where they fit into sort of their geographical location, many of them probably, perhaps driven from Rome, uh, they don't know where they fit sort of in the in the spiritual sort of uh, rhythms of their culture with all of their gods and goddesses, right? All of that now has, all of the status markers, the sort of identifiable ladders and markers of success in their life have been... Uh, disoriented by their confession in in Jesus. So Peter writes to them uh, this passage. It's kind of like the conclusion to his introduction of the letter. He's going to leave this moment and get sort of specific on, on here's how you can live into particular areas of your life. But in this moment, he reminds them, man, this is who you are. And, and he gives all these beautiful sort of status markers uh, to them here now. We, we saw several of them in this, um, this reminder to them in a moment where they may be sort of questioning that. Well, who are we? Where do we fit? What's our place? And he says, let me remind you again, just let me remind you who you are, which is how he started the letter. Elect exiles, he said. I know you're displaced, but even in that displacement, God has chosen you elect exiles. And here again, he's using this language again, again, rich theological language. And through this language, he orients them, uh, reorients them really to God. Again, he reorients them to their history, to sort of the story of people who'd come before, but also to the uh, the way in which they're going to relate the world around them. Just look, if you will, if you have it in front of you, verse 5. You yourselves, he says, are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house. I mean, you can feel it. He's just laying it on thick, right? Let me remind you. I know I know how you feel, but let me remind you who you are. Spiritual stones, uh, being living stones being built into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ again really churchy words, I don't imagine that's the sort of tone of your conversation around the water cooler at work. Uh, You're chatting with some friends. Oh, man, man, my preacher reminded me I was a living stone today. And I just want to encourage you as my spiritual act of worship and sacrifice. This is probably not how it works, but uh, there's a lot going on here. But Peter is sort of pulling them into kind of reminding them of their history. God uh, dwelling with his people in the temple, sort of the priest sort of mediating that relationship between God and and, and the nations. Even Israel sort of being used as a way in which the nations would come to know the character character of God, which Rachel can remind us of. Now, Peter pulling them, you're still in this story. You're a part of this move of God making his character known. A a nudge even that we saw last week in this language. It's not so much what you're building. says, God is building you together. And again, as we saw last week, immediately nudging them away from any kind of like individualistic sort of approach to their new life in Christ that by virtue of what Christ has done for them, they're a part of a community. They are immediately made a a part of something kind of larger than themselves, being built into something uh, together. And so again, with these sort of new markers, let me give you sort of a new status marker for your life, that, that, that you have been pulled into this story that has been going on for some time. Peter says, God working through the people he has chosen to reveal his character, to the world but he does it again a few verses later in verse nine and these are probably familiar to many of you if you've been around church you were a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation some translations say a peculiar people right I think I remember one of like a worship song it was very I don't know kind of sing song you are a chosen generation no okay <laughs> royal priesthood no a peculiar people. What a beautiful translation! Like, yet yeah, you guys are like, yes, this is Matt, right? I don't know about the rest of us, but this is certainly you, right? But it's this beautiful description. Okay, again, all of this really thick language, and and, and we could probably you could take a week on each sort of label, all right? Again, but I want us kind of see sort of the broader context of what's happening here. But 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 again, we just God calls them chosen and royal and holy. His possession. Once again, he's reorienting them, giving them a new marker. This is who you are in relation to God. He has chosen you. He is working even in the midst of this exile experience in your life. He he is at work here in your lives together. He is at work. And then this language, you're a chosen sort of people. Again, the language of priesthood and nation. Firmly rooting them in this long story of God working through his people to reveal his character to the world. You see it even in our passage. Uh, He he tips his hat, just makes it really really clear, uh, (laughs) right right at the end of verse 9, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. This this story has been going on for some time. He says you are a part of God's work from the beginning, working through his people to reveal his character to the world and that is still at work in your life now. All right, we're going to come back to shoots and ladders, but just, I just want us to appreciate kind of what he does here, right? So, you know, you sort of, you feel the drift. You don't know what those ladders are anymore, right? This is what the ladders used to be for me. This is how I knew I was sort of advancing and, you know, this is how I knew I had made it and all that stuff is now sort of uh, mixed up. And Peter reminds them, he says, this is who you are. He kind of redefines all of those ladders for them but 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 rather than sort of dig into all the particulars i want us to kind of see uh, this beautiful move from peter for you and for me in its context so what peter does here is really similar to the move he made last week that that, that he said he situates who you are he says you are who you are because of who jesus is right? i feel like again we just say the same thing every week but I'm doing it again, right? That, that in this passage, even just in our reading, Peter is very clear to sort of nudge you and me into this direction. This is who you are, but you are who you are because of who Jesus is. And, and we see it here almost again, like bookended in our passage. All of these beautiful descriptors, all of these beautiful things written to, to, to this group of people and now to you and me are sandwiched between verse four and verse uh, again, verse 10. But notice how he begins in verse four. As you come to him, the reference to Jesus, as you come to him, and then this description of Jesus, the living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Right, you see the move that's happening here? Everything that follows in his description of, of the people who choose to follow him is tied to this description of Jesus, right? Uh, uh, he Everything you are in, in all of your chosenness, uh, everything you are in all of your display of his character to the world, as light in the darkness, all of that is tied. Uh, even your role as stones together, all of that first finds its beginning in the truth of who Jesus is. Jesus, the living stone. Interestingly, who has been rejected. We want to think about ladders and, and, and status markers. Jesus would not top the list. Just, just his sort of life on earth. He's not climbing ladders, right? It's, it's he was he was uh, sentenced to death and criminalized uh, and died a, a death on the cross, right? Rejected, and yet chosen and precious in the sight of God. And here Peter says, all of who you are flows out of the truth of who he is. And then he finishes there as well. Verse ten. Once he says, you were not a people, but now, now you are a people. Now you are God's people. Once you, you didn't know mercy, you hadn't received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And all of this, again, much of it explicit, this passage in particular tied to the Old Testament book of Hosea, this movement where, as Rachel pointed out, we, we continually fail. We think we're climbing the ladder, and it's the story of the people, and judges, and honored and honored and honored, up, up, up. We're climbing the ladder. We're doing it. Uh, we'll do our best. God will do the rest. We're climbing, we're climbing, we're climbing. But repeatedly we fall. And in Hosea, you know, the same kind of moment God speaks uh, this word of promise that Peter picks up here. You were not a people, but by virtue of my character, my merciful character, now you are a people. And here, Peter, I want to suggest to you that he's he's situating them and you and me in uh, in this story of God's merciful grace that now redefines all the markers of success and identity and purpose in your life and, and mine. I, I think it's interesting, all these beautiful descriptors that he, he gives us here, all these beautiful things, we're like, yes, right, we, we, particularly, you know, church is sort of, we've been around it a long time, faith is a part of our story, this, you know, the peculiarity of the language maybe doesn't strike us as much, you know, we, we want to embrace and own these things, but Peter says them to people who were on the fringe, to people who have known rejection to people who find themselves adrift culturally, not knowing where or how to relate to the things that have so often defined them, to people, I would suggest to you, in, in some sense at the bottom, not at the top, to people who have repeatedly fallen off the ladder, to those people, Peter says, let me remind you of who you are because of the merciful grace of God and who you are is forever changed it's different because of who Jesus is. I, I know it's just, it's just kind of a, sort of a larger view, but I hope we, we feel the, the move and the pull of the gospel in this sort of beautiful description. We didn't tease out, and there's loads of fun stuff uh, historically to kind of tease out in this language, and we'll save that for a later day. But I, I want to bring you back. Uh, I want to bring you back to shoots and ladders and to tennis. Yes? Uh if you weren't here last week, it was worth it just to get to talk about Djokovic, right? You should go back and listen. Um, that's okay. You don't have to do that. Um, but but I wanna, if you'll indulge me one more time, I want to bring up one more tennis player, also from the U.S. Open, the final of the four sort of big tournament Grand Slam events of the year. And we talked about Djokovic, who lost in his historic moment last week. I know you guys are all Chiefs fans first, but just humor me, just this moment, let me talk about tennis. At least it could be worse. It could be the Ryder Cup. Uh, okay. But uh, I, I, I was also struck in the weeks since that tournament. It's been a couple of weeks now. Uh, the story of a, war, uh, a player from the female side of the bracket, the, the women's division, uh, Naomi Osaka. And maybe you followed her story. Uh, Naomi Osaka, young tennis player that has kind of asserted her greatness uh, now in her career, has won some majors and is sort of ascendant, kind of on the way up, and is uh, kind of uh, playing a dominant style of tennis, achieving uh, some great levels of success. But she's been in the headlines over the course of the summer uh, for a number of different reasons outside of sort of her success on the court. And have you guys, any of you guys kind of followed some of the story, anyone? He's like, no, maybe Right, some of that conversation, uh, I think, some of what launched it was a, some of the anxiety she felt around the, the sort of public nature of the interviews post match. They hear someone who'd been groomed uh, or, or trained, had been trained, had been training all of her life to sort of excel in this like field of athleticism. Right, just uh, committed her life to it. This was sort of her focus, and yet, sort of also being expected now to kind of uh, give all these public interviews. She talked about the anxiety. In a really sort of powerful way, I think, the anxiety around uh, that moment for her and, and experienced pushback. The people in charge of the tournaments, there was some pushback. I think people that seemed to culturally kind of rally around uh, her in, in this moment. Maybe you're familiar with that story, but she played in the U.S. Open uh, two weeks ago, and she lost. And uh, lost to a teenager who would go on to sort of play in the final. I don't believe she won, but, but did advance all the way to the final of this tournament. And uh, something from uh, Osaka's interview after that loss, again, has in, similar to sort of Djokovic, which I know I keep going on about it, but it's messing with me. And uh, Osaka's interview has done something uh, similar. I've gone back, just kind of rewatched it sort of several times. And You know, I can remember all the questions that she's asked. So she's, you, you got this sort of context of like, we know this is a moment she doesn't enjoy that is a source of anxiety and struggle. Here she is now after a loss having to kind of talk about uh, all of this when there's been so much sort of riding on her success. And I forget the specific question, but in response, one of her answers uh, well into the interview, she, she, she confessed, she says, I don't, need, I don't know when I'll play my next tennis match. Okay. She's, again, not something you typically hear from someone who's on the rise in their sport. he's about climbing the ladder. I mean, she is achieving success and on the way up. She says, I don't know and that statement came on the heels of this one that I, I I can't quite shake. She said recently, "When I win, I don't feel happy. What I feel is relief. When I win, I don't feel happy. What I feel is relief." And I, I think it's kind of a I, I'm gonna say a beautiful picture, but not beautiful for her, but for us, of, of kind of all the ladders. Mm-hmm. Represent whatever the status markers are in your life and mine, they are relentless. They will never let up. Never. That they are relentless in their pressure to improve, to get better, to be a better person. We feel it in our spiritual life. We feel it as parents, right? We feel it in our digital life. We feel it in our career. We feel it in our vocation. All the sort of you-know-what-they-are-for-you in our retirement, right? We feel all these kind of status markers. These are the things that say, man, I I, am successfully climbing the ladder. And when I listen to Osaka talk in this moment, it occurs to me that the ladder is relentless. There will always be another rung when I read Peter, all of these beautiful descriptions, I I almost, and I hear him root them in the mercy of God and not my performance. I I almost hear him say, you guys are clamoring after ladders. Let me give you a shoot. You're you're trying to climb up and show all the ways which you've made it or can make it. You're trying all those things and that's great. Let, let, Let me give you a shoot. Here, Peter, in this beautiful moment, through these lovely descriptions that he roots, he roots it not in their righteousness, but in Jesus's, in who he is. He redefines all that, all that chat for you and me, right? Think, think, more shoots, less ladders. It's, it's the story of God. God doesn't meet you in the middle. Right? He doesn't meet us. In the middle, like I'm doing the best I can, kind of get up half this ladder. It's it's not the story of God sort of meeting me in the middle. I'll do my best, and God will do the rest. No, it's the story of God meeting us at the bottom, which I think sometimes, depending on sort of uh, maybe the status of our life culturally, that could be harder for us to maybe own and embrace. But it's the story of the gospel that apart from the gracious work of Jesus, we are just wandering around in the dark. But God and his mercy, because of who Jesus is, one who himself was rejected, but was chosen by God, we know the same story. And it's why I think, Rachel's reminder, why we invite you to read the New Testament with others, because we always inevitably need to be pulled back into this good news. We got Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, Visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at Park City KC.